The return of proper worship. Now, this is a fascinating study today as we go into Second Chronicles chapter 20 to 24. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Word of God. As we study through the Bible, we're learning things that apply today. Corey and Ryan help us to learn. Corey? Well, today I'm going to be focusing in on Israel's King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, because though they are dead and buried at this point, their association with Judah is not. More on that later. Ryan? Today I'm dealing with an alleged contradiction between Matthew 23 and 2 Chronicles 24. You know, I find that interesting uh, and we'll take a look at that. I am fascinated by both these segments. Janice, who do we do today? Well, two more days of very special segments with our dear friend Jim Cantillon. Trust me, you will not want to miss what he has to tell us. That's right, it's good. Now let's open up the Bible and see what God says to us. Second Chronicles 23, verses 1 through 11. In the seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself and made a covenant with the captains of hundreds, Azariah the son of Jeroam, Ishmael the son of Jehohanan, Azariah the son of Obed, Maaseah the son of Adaida, and Elishaphat the son of Zichri. And they went throughout Judah and gathered the Levites from all the cities of Judah and the chief fathers of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. Then all the assembly made a covenant with the king in the house of God. And he said to them, Behold, the king's son shall reign as the Lord has said of the sons of David. This is what you shall do. One third of you entering on the Sabbath, of the priests and the Levites, shall be keeping watch over the doors. One-third shall be at the king's house, and one-third at the gate of the foundation. All the people shall be in the courts of the house of the Lord. But let no one come into the house of the Lord except the priests and those of the Levites who serve. They may go in, for they are holy, but all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. And the Levites shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapon in his hand, and whoever comes into the house, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king when he comes in and when he goes out. So the Levites and all Judah did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And each man took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath. For Jehoiada the priest had not dismissed the divisions. And Jehoiada the priest gave to the captains of hundreds the spears and the large and small shields which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of God. Then he set all the people, every man with his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, along by the altar and by the temple, all around the king. And they brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, gave him the testimony, and made him king. Then Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, Long live the king! 
2 Chronicles chapter 23, verses 1 through 11. Second Chronicles 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. That's who we study today. It's a very interesting read. Now, in a letter from Elijah to Judas King Jehoram, it was prophesied that this evil king would be struck with illness and eventually die of a disease of the intestines. Following his death, his youngest king, Jehoiahaz, also known as Ahaziah, became king in his place. Ahaziah's mother was Athaliah, the daughter of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. After her son Ahaziah died, Athaliah secured her position as ruler and took control over Jerusalem and, in fact, Judah. She ruled for about six years. She was evil. In the seventh year of her reign, this is interesting and a surprise twist to the evil monarch, a young man, her grandson, Joash, who had been hidden away for six years, is brought out and commissioned as the rightful 10th king of Judah. I'll tell you, this was a complicated but a dark time in Judah's history. I want to tell you that for sure. So as we study this, let's learn that God has spoken to us. And as he's spoken to us, it becomes important to understand. Now, let me just say quickly, you can get the Bible guide by calling us or by writing to us or going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, just click on the page. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for the donations. And then it'll take you to a page where you can download it, just like we printed it. And you can, you're seconds away from being with us as we study restoring order. This We got to pray about this because this is interesting. Father, help us. As we read this, we're going to consider the fact that you don't do anything haphazardly. You know everything, and you've done everything exactly how you want it. So there are messages here for us today as we live in the world, which it is today, and marked by a lot of despair and disheartenment. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we said together, amen. Now, look at the scripture. I'm telling you, this is a great one. Uh, we look at 2 Chronicles 23, 1-6. Let's read it carefully and listen to the Lord. Here's what it says. It says, In the seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself and made a covenant with the captains of the hundreds. Azariah, the son of Jehoram, Ishmael, the son of Jehoihanna, and Azariah, the son of Obed, Messiah, or Messiah, the son of Adiah, and Elishaphath, the son of Zikrah, and they went throughout Judah and gathered the Levites from all of the cities of Judah and the chief fathers of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. Then all the assembly made a covenant with the king in the house of God. And he said to them, Behold, the king's son shall reign. This is in the house of God. The king's son shall reign as the Lord has said of the sons of David. This is what you shall do. One third of you entering on the Sabbath of the priest and of the Levites shall be keeping watch over the doors. One third shall be at the king's house and one third at the gates of the foundation. 
all the people shall be in the courts of the house of the Lord, the house of the Lord, but let no one come into the house of the Lord except the priest and those of the Levites who serve. They may go in, for they are holy, but all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Now, this is amazing. The return to proper worship in the house of God. Athaliah had messed it up. The return of proper worship to the house of God was finally being established. Beloved, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, he restores order in our life. God restores order in our life. It's absolutely true. We have to understand that when we return our worship to God, then God has really no choice. He's made himself bound to people who love me and worship me. I'm going to protect them. And that's part of the reality of God's word. That's what God says. Now, we're going to see this as time goes on. But let's go back to the scripture and read more. Because 2 Chronicles 23, 7 says, And the Levites shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand. And whoever comes into the house, let him be put to death. Wow. You are to be with the king when he comes in and when he goes out. So the Levites and all of Judah did according to all Jehoiada the priest commanded. And each man took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath for Jehoiada the priest had not dismissed the divisions. And Jehoiada the priest gave to the captains of the hundreds the spears and the large and small shields which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of God. Fascinating. The young king was protected, surrounded by the Levites and defended by the Levites and the guard. Now listen carefully. God protects us with his angels and servants. When we do his work, his way. We have to do the work of God, his way. When we do his work, his way, well, God protects us from beyond this world. He protects us from heaven. Beloved, that's something we need to pay attention to because everybody's looking for protection these days, but we've got to understand that it's time for God's people to praise God his way and to work in his kingdom his way, not our way, his way, because then we'll be protected. Okay, 10 to 11, watch this. Then he set all the people, every man with his weapon in his hand from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple along by the altar and by the temple all around the king. And they brought out the king's son put the crown on him, you can imagine this seven-year-old child, gave him the testimony, that's the word of God, and made him king. They made him king. And then Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, long live the king. Do you understand what's happening here? You see, the new and the rightful king is revealed. The Lord reveals his leaders in his perfect timing. Before then, he protects and defends them against all odds. The Lord deals with his leaders by protecting them and helping them, and he helps us as well. But we need to understand 
that if we do God's work, God's way, he will protect us. Beloved, there's no other way to say this. If we are trying to do God's work our way, it's going to fail. If we are trying to do our work God's way, it's going to fail. But if we do God's work God's way, it will succeed. And that becomes important today. Let us pay attention and say, Lord, help me today in the name of Jesus Christ to do your work your way, to do what you want us to do and to do it in your way. In Jesus' name, and we ask all of this, Lord. Amen. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Second Chronicles chapters 22 and 23 record the aftermath of a marriage alliance between the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel, specifically King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And it really does not go well for Judah at all. Uh, you know, the line of David is almost completely wiped out, but it is saved by uh, a hero priest uh, who ends up acting as king. So I want to focus in on the reign of Ahab and Jezebel and see what we can learn both biblically and historically about this interesting pair. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel were rulers of the ancient kingdom of northern Israel. Their reign is mainly recorded in the biblical book of 2 Kings, where they receive noteworthy disapproval for their greedy, violent, and pagan lifestyles. Ahab's father, King Omri, had established a new capital city, Samaria, and built it from scratch on a hilltop. Ahab and Jezebel are then said to have lived lavishly in a palace complex adorned with ivory, gold, and generally bedazzled furnishings, mentioned by the biblical prophet Amos, and verified by excavations at the ancient site that unearthed numerous ivory artifacts inlaid with gold. Physical history has a lot to say on this controversial couple. Ahab is mentioned in three surviving records from ancient enemy nations of Israel. First, he's mentioned in the later records of Assyrian King Shalmaneser III, who is referring back to the powerful Israelite House of Omri, meaning Dynasty of Omri. Ahab is also mentioned by name in the Moabite stone, which was commissioned by Mesha, king of Moab, a man whom Ahab had forced into subjection. Following Ahab's death, Moab rebelled, battles were fought with Ahab's son, and the Moabite stone was commissioned. The third artifact was originally commissioned by another of Israel's national enemies, Aram. This artifact, today called the Teldan Stila, directly verifies a battle between Ahab's son Joram and Hazael, king of Aram, recorded in 2 Kings 8. The Stila names Joram and Ahab as kings of Israel and even verifies the details of 2 Kings 8. Physical remains of Ahab's Queen Jezebel seem to have surfaced on the antiquities market. So, like many pieces of the past, it was not found in an official archaeological dig. 
Nevertheless, many scholars have come to believe that this signet seal probably belonged to the biblical queen herself. Lots to talk about when we look at the lives of Ahab and Jezebel, both from a theological perspective, uh, you know, and all the different changes that they made in Israel historically, but also from an archaeological perspective, all of the remains that are still apparent from the time and the lives of Ahab and Jezebel, you know, from that palace in Samaria to the, the cache of palace goods that had been buried in antiquity and now has been rediscovered, the, the ivories and the uh, inlaid gold and all of that, uh, to the potential seal of Queen Jezebel herself. There's just so much in, from, it's a very well-documented time period. So what I think that points to is that there is a lot that we can learn about this time period in Israel's history. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Very interesting. We'll study more about this in the future, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, well, today I'm going to be looking at an apparent error in the Bible. In fact, it seems to be somewhat of an identity crisis. And that's because Jesus says in Matthew 23 that Zechariah's father was Berechiah. But then 2 Chronicles 24 says that Zechariah's father was Jehoiada. And on top of this, Zechariah in each of these passages was murdered in or around the temple. So who's who here? Well, let's study these passages very closely. Bible skeptics claim that the scriptures contain many errors and contradictions, and therefore cannot be the word of God as it repeatedly claims. One of these alleged contradictions is found in Matthew chapter 23 and 2 Chronicles chapter 24. In Matthew 23, Jesus rebukes the religious leaders for their hypocrisy. Verses 34 and 35 record his words. I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Here lies the supposed error. Jesus says that Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, was murdered between the temple and the altar. Yet 2 Chronicles 24, 20-21 states that it was Zechariah, son of Jehoiada, that was stoned with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. So in both of these passages, we have Zechariah being murdered in or around the temple. Yet Jesus says Berechiah was his father, while the writer of 2 Chronicles says that Jehoiada was his father. So who was in error? The answer is neither. Although these passages have been cross-referenced and linked in many Bibles, they are in actuality speaking of two separate men on two separate occasions. So Jesus is not referring to the Zechariah of 2 Chronicles 24, but to the later prophet Zechariah. Indeed, in Zechariah 1.1 we read, In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo the prophet. Jesus' reference to this man makes sense within the context of Matthew 23 since he is clearly citing the first and last martyrs of the Old Testament, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah. If Jesus had referred to the Zechariah of 2 Chronicles 24, then he would have missed out on another 300 years of history, in which several prophets were martyred. So we see here that even though a lot of Bibles link these two passages, they're actually talking about two different men on two different occasions. As a matter of fact, these two men are separated by about 300 years, and that means that neither Jesus nor the author of 2 Chronicles was in error. And hence, there's no contradiction. And there is no contradiction. Thank you, Ryan, for that. You know, we watch the news here. We watch the internet and all of that. And of course, the war has been a part of what we do, but we 
purposely focus on the Word of God, but there comes times when we have to talk about it. This is one of those times. And Jim Canelon is, of course, the president of WOW, Working for Orphans and Widows Mission. And Jim, it is excellent to have you here. Of course, you record your program in our studios and all of that, but it's it's good to have you here. And we need to talk about what's going on uh, with this war. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, because, you know, there's a, a sort of a gap between when we tape now and when our viewers are watching us now. Yeah, it's hard to get your head around that sometimes. It is. I know. Today actually is March the 18th. Is it? So to give viewers uh, that, you know, and, and, and they'll be watching it in right. April. Later so on so as, April. We, as we sit here in the studio, it's March the 18th. Yes. I'm still getting the green paint off my face from St. Patrick's Day. Anyhow. <laughs> Uh, for 22 years, we've been working with WOW. Uh, we founded it, my wife and I did. I was pastoring a, a church in Western Canada and felt the Lord calling me to orphans and widows. And at that time, HIV and AIDS was the biggest orphan and widow maker in the history of mankind, still is. And it was just rav- ravaging um, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa. And so there was a whole network of churches there from my days when I was pastoring Jerusalem, King of Kings Assembly. And so I had a, a ready-made infrastructure there. I went, moved into that and started working, and little did I know that it would explode and become what it has. We've been working with thousands now of orphans and widows for 22 years. But then this Ukraine thing happens. And, I mean, I, like everyone else, I'm aghast what's going on. But it occurred to me, orphans, orphans in their thousands. We're working for orphans and widows. We have to get involved there, you know? So what do we do? Because I, I, I've made it a core value to work with people I know, to work with churches. I don't want to be an outsider coming in, you know, being the good guy. I, I want people with the local language, the local culture, the local everything, the local believers to be doing this. Well, it turns out I have an old friend. I've known him for over 40 years, pastors in uh, Slovakia, and he has a whole network of churches in uh, Ukraine and Poland who suddenly, like from one moment to the next almost, after Putin began his invasion, became, by their own choice, refugee centers and uh, opened their basements and opened their sanctuaries, giving people shelter in their basements, giving people distribution of food and medicine and so on, and, and organizational uh, infrastructure from their, from their sanctuaries. And uh, I, con- I connected with him, and, and I mean, it's all new to him too. But he said, boy, Jim, anything new to help us, we need help. And, they, you know, they're, they're, they're busing orphans out of Ukraine. They're, they're trying to feed people. They're, they're trying to get clothing. And so I immediately uh, shifted several thousands of dollars over to him in faith, you know. <laughs> and um, it's interesting, a few days later, whatever I sent over, the Lord sent back to me through another donor who didn't even know we were doing this. But let me show you a pic or two. Um, let's take a look at the... the um, the, the children, if we can, Mr. Director, I, I, um, I'm so moved when I see, you know, these little orphans. Um, now, this is a few weeks old now as, we're, as you're watching it, friends. Uh, so all of these children have been bused by now into Poland and are safely being cared for by uh, Polish believers who are uh, based in those churches who are caring for them. But there's been many, many hundreds more who've been bussed into Poland since then. At the back, you can see them holding up the peace sign. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think there's a stuffed panda back in the corner there. <laughs> I mean, you know, these are kids. These are kids, you know, and, and, and they, they have the, the optimism, you know, and the enthusiasm of childhood. 
they're, they're the very people that Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Anyhow, <clears throat> um, by the time your viewers are watching this, I will have given updates on my website, wildmission.com. I don't have any updates as I'm speaking because we just started a few days ago. But the point is, they've already received our very first gifts, and I have promised them that we are going to, going to be engaged with them for as long as they need us to be engaged with them. It could be several years because even though the war may end, the refugee crisis and certainly the orphan crisis will not end. Yes. Yeah. So by God's grace, you know, as people feel the Lord, you know, friends, if you feel the Lord speaking to you about this, then be uh, an obedient child of God and do something about it. You know, whether it's through wildmission.com or Bible Discovery or whether it's through your local church or through some other ministry that you yeah. trust, do something about this. Mm -hmm. This is something has nothing to do with a denomination or a, um, a specific NGO or charitable organization. This has to do with the neediest of the needy right now on the planet. And by God's grace, uh, you can make a difference. Yeah. I think it's critical that, that they do something. And yeah. a lot of people have, have not felt comfortable giving well that my suggestion is give to uh, wowmission.com, singular word, wowmission.com. Uh, you can do it that way. Of course, we tied there, but it's really, really important that uh, you understand that. And Jim, I, I thank you for being here. You're going to be with us on the next program as well. But uh, I, I think what I want to ask you on the next program is if you're a Christian, if you're somebody who believes in the Bible, reads the Bible and all of that, then what is the next step when you see something like this happen? Yeah. What do you do? You know, because some people don't know and they're thinking about the inflation rate. They're thinking about all this other kind of thing going on. But what do you do if you follow Jesus Christ? What do you do? Well, let's tease what I'm going to say. <laughs> OK, I'll refer you to the parable of the Good Samaritan. There you go. We'll take it from there. OK, so on the next program, <laughs> we're going to talk about that. And it becomes very important to remember it. So. Let's remember that. And also join us for the next program. We have Jim with us and uh, we'll see. Thank you for joining us today and being with us here. Uh, remember that we are Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 3.30 to 4.30 on Facebook and on YouTube. We're also on Bible Discovery TV. Look for Bible Discovery TV on Facebook and YouTube. We'll pray for you because we're live in prayer. Today, we need to pray and say, Lord, help me to establish my ways according to your word as I follow you with my heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask this.